The Old Testament reading for this morning comes from the book of the prophet Ezekiel, beginning in the 34th chapter at the first verse. And this is what Ezekiel wrote. God's message came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherd leaders of Israel. Yes, prophesy. Tell those shepherds, God the master says, doom to you shepherds of Israel, feeding your own mouths. Aren't shepherds supposed to feed sheep? You drink the milk. You make clothes from the wool. You roast the lambs, but you don't feed the sheep. You don't build up the weak ones. Don't heal the sick. Don't doctor the injured. Don't go after the strays. Don't look for the lost. You bully and badger them. And now they're scattered every which way because there was no shepherd. Scattered and easy pickings for wolves and coyotes. Scattered, my sheep, exposed and vulnerable across mountains and hills. My sheep scattered all over the world and no one looking out for them. God the Master says, from now on I myself am the shepherd. I'm going looking for them. As shepherds go after their flocks when they get scattered, I'm going after my sheep. I'll rescue them from all the places they've been scattered to in the storms. I'll bring them back from foreign peoples, gather them from foreign countries, and bring them back to their home country. I'll feed them on the mountain of Israel, along the streams, among their own people. I'll lead them into lush pastures so they can roam the mountain pastures of Israel, graze at leisure, feed in the rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. And I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make sure they get plenty of rest. I'll go after the lost. I'll collect the strays. I'll doctor the injured. I'll build up the weak ones and oversee the strong ones, so they're not exploited. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Oh Lord, you've told us that you are present whenever your children are in trouble or sorrow or pain. Help us to see you in the aches, pains, and disease of our own cities and towns. Forgive us for wanting to keep you back in times 2,000 years old. Lord, remind us once again that you are here in the midst of heartache today and that we can find you today. Open our minds, our ears, our hearts to the word you would share with us today. Amen. A long time ago, a man from a small town went on a business trip to a large city. And while he was there, he was to place an order for a sign to be put up in front of his church during the Advent season. Well, he had the motto and the dimensions on a slip of paper. But in the rush of things, he just forgot to bring it. So he sent a telegram to his wife saying, send motto and dimensions. 
And a different telegram operator came on duty while he waited for the answer, and she fainted and fell off her chair straight to the floor when she received the reply. It said, unto you a child is born, six feet long and two feet wide. <laughs> You know, we enter our Advent time together. It's a time of waiting. When we'll think about what all of this means, as we await the arrival of a child who will grow to be six feet long and two feet wide. One who will change the world with his coming. Yet we can't get too far ahead of ourselves. This day we ask, do you see what I see? All the while chewing on the notion that what we see from the prophet Ezekiel has something to do with our word for the day, peace. That, after all, is something that we say that we want, peace. Albert Einstein famously noted that, and I quote, peace cannot be kept by force. It can only be achieved by understanding, end quote. You know, it takes effort and often a long-haul view to seek understanding. And often, I think, we want to be understood first before we seek understanding, but nevertheless, here we go. Now, Ezekiel prophesied to a nation in exile, gone from the promised land, from signs of the covenant, from all that held visual promise of hope, that God was yet with them. Their hope came to reside, really, in the integrity of their leaders. Those who remembered the covenant and took it as duty to remind others what was required of them. And these leaders had gone astray themselves, and many of the sheep who were to be kept together had wandered off. So Ezekiel speaks in terms that all people within the sound of his voice will know. He talks of shepherds and sheep. He notes that God's shepherds have failed to do their jobs. They've not gathered in the weak sheep. They've not sought out the lost or healed the sick or done what God had told them to do. So God becomes a shepherd. Out of great care for humanity and powerful for compassion for the lost, God comes and then goes out. I will seek out the lost and bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. God takes off and joins in the search. Bob Dylan, an incredible poet, wrote these words. Come, senators, congressmen, please heed the call. Don't stand in the doorway. Don't block up the hall. There's a battle outside, and it's a raging. It'll soon shake your windows and rattle your walls. For the times, they are a-changing. Now, you know, God takes off and gets outside the sanctuary, appears outside of the temple, and goes in search of God's people. It was a sign of new understanding for people in exile, away from all the familiar things they knew, away from what they understood to be the residing place of God. They hear that God is loose. 
And just perhaps, my brothers and sisters, we are being called this day to follow God out of the sanctuary. And if we accept that this even might be remotely possible, we probably ought to confess our reluctance to go. Because truth be told, we kind of like it here. We've become comfortable here, staying in the sanctuary, where everybody kind of looks like us, where we don't feel threatened in any way, where it's clean and beautiful and relatively safe. We like to sing and pray and listen to quiet little sermons and go home. You see, we like our faith neat and tidy. But Ezekiel reminds us today that to obey God's call on our lives, we really must join God in the search and shepherding work. We are reminded once again that God is a wandering God, willing to engage in the nasty, challenging, dangerous work of shepherding. And we need to start to search ourselves, to go to the hurting, to find where the church should be at work. And God not only leaves the sanctuary to gather in the weak, sickly sheep, God also brings judgment to those who've taken advantage of these sheep. Because you pushed and butted all the weak animals with your horns until you scattered them far and wide, I will save my flock, I'll judge between sheep and sheep, and then God will feed them with justice. You see, when God begins the sorting work of the flock, it's not to divide the good from the bad or to administer tests of faith. God is seeing what we have refused to see, seeking out the weak who've been butted away on their way to the feeding trough. God pities those who have been wounded by the selfish actions of others. We need to be reminded that we are to act as if God is alive in other people. Even the stranger or the refugee, we believe that we have some reason to fear. The prisoner whose acts we just find indefensible. The sick that we'd rather condemn because we're convinced that their lifestyle contributed to their illness. The hungry who should have been able to fend for themselves. If we cannot find God in others, what we have is a failure to see with our hearts and through the eyes of faith. And having been unable to see what God has placed before us, we cannot act on what we haven't seen. You know, the use of our imaginations, being able to see with the eyes of faith, is vital if we are to see God alive in other people. But it's also necessary that we reject the notion, the temptation that we all experience, I believe, to laziness. Because it is that lack of imagination which gives us, in the words of Fred Craddock, and I quote, the ability to look at a starving child with a swollen stomach and say, well, it's not my child or to look at a recent widow and say, it's not my mom, or to see an old man sitting in the park alone and say, well, it's not my dad, end quote. 
You know, the human imagination, battered and torn by our fears and inhibitions, comes from a God who asks us to see ourselves and our world in a new way. So on this day when we speak of peace, we must move away from our thoughts of blissful idleness, which we often associate with that word. We entertain the hard work of Advent once again, realizing that we are indeed called to leave the sanctuary, to go out and search in some of the scariest places for the weak sheep. We are to defend them against the fat sheep who trample them underfoot. It comes as no surprise, really, that this vision in Ezekiel 34 was lived out by Jesus. It is no surprise that when God came in the flesh, Jesus spent all of his time wandering, gathering in the weakest sheep and speaking words of warning to the fat ones. This is hard work. It is life-giving work. And I have come to believe that these are indeed the things that make for peace. Amen. Um.